0: Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Ro- Resource. And joining me is Anne Han. She's the CEO of Super League Gaming. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. And so it, it's been over a year since we had you on. Um, I'd like you to just give us a, a quick overview of the company, and then we can go into an update uh, from there, if that's okay.
1: Yeah. So Super League is essentially a, a publishing engine Um, for immersive experiences and media products, bringing brands into what we call um, metaverse platforms. Now, when we talk about metaverse at Super League, we're talking about the metaverse that exists today. Um, These are 2D worlds that don't require VR headsets, Um, but this is where young audiences choose to hang out. I often say don't think of them as gaming. Think of them as digital cul-de-sacs. It's a new extension of social media. And um, under 18 spend about seven and a half hours a week on average in these virtual worlds um, creating together and playing together. And currently in worlds like, platforms like Roblox and Minecraft and increasingly other ones like Fortnite and Sandbox, we reach over 120 million unique players a month, um, making us a really high engagement way for brands to get to these young audiences.
0: So Anne, for the layperson, can you give us uh, your definition of immersive?
1: Yeah. So really when you think about some of these types of, of uh, virtual world or game platforms, um, it feels like a very 2D environment um, verging on 3D where you have your own avatar um, that you can you know, create as a digital extension of your real-life self and you can engage in these platforms in a way that is very personalized and customized. So, you know, I often say if you think about the real world, anything you can do in the real world, there can be a virtual twin of, and you can experience it in a digital way the same. It could be a soccer game. It could be going to a museum. Uh, we just launched a game world specifically around the gri- biggest ever Broadway show, Hamilton. Um, where kids can go in, create their own avatar, and then play um, inside the Broadway production and learn about American history, no different than if they had gone to the real-life production of Hamilton. And so that's what we talk about when we talk about these 2D and 3D worlds. It's one where you're going in as a digital self and you're interacting in, in a very similar experience as you would if you experienced that thing in real life.
0: Okay. Also, before we get into it, I, I see you just raised some money. Um, what does that do for you? Does it give you the runway to, to carry out your, your plans?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the most important things, we've had really significant step change revenue growth. Um, we went from $2 million in 2020 to $11 million in 2021, $20 million last year. We've told investors, you know, this is going to be another significant step change year, and we just once again continue to set quarterly records. We Uh, set a quarterly record for Q2. Um, I gave guidance that we expect to set another one in Q3. And Q4 is always our biggest time of um, revenue time of the year because of all that holiday advertising spend that advertisers and brands put to work in Q4. Um, And so with all of that and the, the capital we've raised, what we've really been focused on now is continuing that top line growth but equally getting to break even faster. That's what investors have said, that you know, their patience in, in these types of um, headwinds of, of micro-cap, it's really imperative that the company do so. So we stripped about 35% of our cost as well out of our company, really leaned things out. And that last bit of capital is the capital that we need to get to break even. That's really the rally cry of the company.
0: So is there a, a fixed point? You know, the revenue is growing nicely. Is there a, a point you need to get above? Um, do you have a lot of operate, operating leverage in the model?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good question. We, um, we haven't uh, formally declared that, but if you kind of look at back of the envelope, you know, when the company is hitting that kind of thirty five forty forty million um, annual run rate and revenue, that's when we really turn that corner to to a sustainable um, cash flow
0: positive um, position. Okay. and so you know there's got to be others going after this market. Um, where do you fit in with all that?
1: Yeah, you know it's I always found it to be so displeasing when I was in other companies. And, you know, an investor would say, who's your competition? And you hear people say, no one. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense. But we are actually in a position where we don't have a long list of, of competitors. And it really just speaks to the fact that four or five years ago, this this marketing channel, bringing brands into game experiences, didn't really exist, right? So it's a nascent industry. It's There's really just a handful of us. Um, it's a kind of, uh, you know, a lot of our... Folks in the ecosystem tend to be kind of mom-and-pop type shops. Um, There are game studios out there that make game experiences inside Roblox and Minecraft and and Fortnite worlds. We can do that. Um, There aren't really companies out there that also have immersive media products to complement those experiences and drive traffic to them. That is something we do quite distinctively. And that really puts us in a unique position as the kind of really only rare one-stop shop. So when we re- recreated um, Barbie's Dream House virtually for Mattel um, at the end of last year, we created a pop-up virtual version of Barbie's Dream House where your digital avatar could go in and swim in the pool and, and DJ on the roof deck and do all kinds of activities through it in a very playful, fun way. Um, We coupled that program, it it was about a 700K program for for everything we did for Mattel during that month, but about 400K was was creating that great experience. About 300K was then um, them buying our media products to drive traffic to that dream house. And so because we were able to grab that entire program, we grabbed a lot more revenue out of the deal um, and we drove 60 million visits. To Barbie's Dream House during that month, 60 million visits, an average dwell time of seven to eight minutes. That's like product placement on steroids. That's engagement that really, kind of, um, you know, is off the charts as far as delivering on the ROI for brands.
0: Okay, that gives me a bunch of questions all at once. So you, you mentioned Mattel, um, their partner. Any any other partners?
1: Yeah. Um, so so um, i 'll mention some other partners, but one thing that was really kind of interesting about a Mattel is you know think about social media fifteen years ago, right like many companies are trying to figure out, oh, do I need to have a Facebook page? Do I need to have an instagram you know account how do i How do I bring my brands? This is where all these this audience is, but how do I show up there um, what 's interesting about the Barbie experience, and then i 'll speak to a couple other brands is. You know, when, when you turn on Barbie's House for 30 days and you get that kind of engagement, and then you literally turn it off, it's, it's our opportunity then as a company to go back in and say, but you don't turn off Barbie's Instagram account for 11 months of the year, do you? And it's like, no, that would be unthinkable. And so that's uh, the chance we have then to say, this isn't just a novel concept, a, a pop-up experience. This is actually a permanent virtual billboard or channel that you need to be in no differently than you need a Facebook or Instagram strategy for all of your IP. And we should leave Barbie's Dreamhouse up all year and be running continually new campaigns featuring new dolls, um, showing a trailer for the Barbie movie. So that's where the company's business model starts to, to pivot and change from being something that's very um, temporal and campaign-centric that looks like an ad model to almost being an enterprise solution to create that persistent presence for brands no differently than they have a persistent presence in, in other social media. Um, as far as other brands go, we served about 100 brands last year. And these are, these are big brands, um, you know, some of the biggest global brands out there. And there's a lot of nice diversity as well. So you know, P&G to Universal, Paramount, who's one of our investors. I think one of the case studies I love most is Chipotle. Um, Chipotle came to us and, and wanted to promote National Burrito Day, Um, And also kind of celebrate Halloween. And so what we did is we created a a build your own burrito um, pop-up experience for them. So imagine you go into an immersive world, in this case it was inside Roblox, and all of a sudden there's a Chipotle restaurant there and you can go in and you can build your burrito and fold it and wrap it and eat it and do all kinds of things. and on top of it, you could also go through a, a bit of a Halloween maze and unlock a secret word, and the secret word was burrito, right?
0: Mm.
1: So um, not only did, just like Barbie, we deliver all that kind of crazy engagement. You know, average dwell time in the build a burrito section was 14 minutes. I mean, that's more time than people probably spend in real life Chipotles where they go in to get their food. But more importantly, we proved conversion too. We proved conversion in the funnel. So um, we gave away 130,000 free burritos, real burritos, in 30 minutes. And we also delivered for Chipotle their highest ever digital app download day. If you wanted to get the free burrito after you found the secret word, you had to download the Chipotle app on your phone and type that burrito secret word in to be able to go into the store and get the real burrito. Highest digital app download day ever and second highest digital food sales day ever. And that is the power of in these customized worlds where, again, kids are increasingly hanging out more with their digital selves, it's it's very intimate and it's about... Your digital self um, identifying with with your physical self, and so that digital to physical crossover or conversion means that if we can give you great engagement and give you conversion, we really become a powerful marketing solution and a, a, a per permanent solution um, strategy that that big brands need to to be in the game on.
0: So, so you you clearly um, are of the size to attract major advertisers but but how do you scale is it more games is it more advertisers or or yeah
1: yeah you know I I mentioned we served 100 brands last year well we did about 20 million in revenue our largest deal we did last year was we did a pop-up concert digital concert for Samsung it was about a 1.2 million dollar deal but obviously you can also tell them that that means we did a lot of little campaigns with brands you know 10k 20k here and there Um, And what's happening now is, as I mentioned earlier, we're able to go back and, at a minimum, we're finding deal sizes are getting bigger. So our average deal size now in the pipeline is six figures, um, you know, in that 350-400k range. So we're starting to get to a point where we don't, you know, it's not really kind of the juice isn't worth the squeeze to chase 10 or 20k programs, Um, and we have enough in, in our kind of suite of media and immersive experience products that we can take whole campaigns down. And so increasingly we're seeing bigger bigger programs. We've closed four deals this year that are north of of a million dollars versus only one last year. So you can see that bigger deal sizes are happening. The second thing that happens for scale is what I was referring to with the notion of leaving your virtual billboard up all year long, this notion of a persistent channel or programs. Um, You know, when you add up everything we did for just like Universal Studios alone last year, they spent north of a million dollars with us, but it was chopped up into ten different campaigns for ten different kind of, you know, family-friendly new movie releases. What we are going back now and saying is give us a whole program for the year. You know, give us that that million dollars or two million dollars now and let's just leave a universal property up. So it moves from just bigger programs that are still temporal in nature to persistent channels and programs. And then really the next extension is is that we start to become a multiverse strategy for the brand. So what do I mean by that? It's exactly what we're doing right now for Yas Island, for Abu Dhabi. Um, They came to us and said, you know, Yas Island is a – an exciting kind of um, real-life recreation um, island in Abu Dhabi that has a SeaWorld and an F1 track and a Ferrari roller coaster. In that case, they came and said, look, we don't want to have old-fashioned tourism sites that are just a bunch of static images of this place that you can visit. We want a virtual experience where a younger generation, but also the parents' generation, can go and actually virtually engage with the space. We're finding virtual tourism to be a really exciting new vertical for us. So we have just launched a permanent virtual world inside Roblox for Yas Island, where kids can go tour that SeaWorld or ride around that F1 track. But then we're also creating a, a pop-up world as well inside Sandbox, which is another virtual world platform that really speaks more to the parents who buy the tickets to go there and allowing them to experience it as well in a much more interactive way. Um, and so that's how we scale is bigger programs, persistent programs, um, and then starting to be the enterprise solution that can take brands um, across multiple um, of these kind of metaverse virtual virtual world platforms as, as kind of, again, the, the new modern social media strategy.
0: So who are your actual customers? Who's paying you? And can you give us some, some names?
1: Yeah, so in some cases, we work with the brands directly, like in the case of Samsung, um, Chipotle as well. Sometimes, um, you know, it's it's we start to build a relationship there or they're reaching out because they know that their audience has moved increasingly more into these virtual worlds, but they don't really understand how to get there. They don't understand the channel. And so often they come to us first to be that kind of thought leader. You know, we've been working in these immersive worlds um, since day one at the company. We have eight years of experience there. And so that really makes us a uh, uh, kind of um, unique kind of thought leader to first just educate them on the space. And and then we also have all that that magnificent reach of 120 million uniques. So it sometimes is brands, but more times than not, it's the brand's agency. You know, like the case of Mattel, we've always had a nice C-suite level relationship there, but their agency in Los Angeles that manages about 50% of all their media globally um, knows us well, and they represent a lot of different brands. And in that case, we got an RFP, and that's often how it occurs is the agency is looking to deliver something that the brand has asked for and an RFP is issued. And and usually we're finding that you know there aren't a lot of competitors that are going up against us to win those deals. Often when it is a competitor, what we find it is, it's another ad agency. It's someone who is a pure service agency, no technology, no publishing capability, um, no analytics suite, all that kind of tech kind of backbone that we've built. They tend to just be somebody who is a service agency middleman and they're going to come turn around and and hire people like us um, with their markup to try to deliver that type of program. So usually we can be extremely competitive um, because we don't need that middleman.
0: So for your marketing channel, is that the advertising agencies or are you also targeting Fortune 500 companies yourself?
1: Oh, both. We're certainly, you know, um, fortunately, you know, I was a CMO in my former life, and, and we have a really powerful, um, you know, network of CMOs that, that I'm in constant communication with. So I'm doing that outreach. We have a biz dev team who does some of the, that more direct outreach. But then we have a very sophisticated media sales team um, that already had that Rolodex of relationships with all the big agencies out there that represent brands. And so we kind of really have a one-two punch as far as being able to get our brand out there. And we're finding, too, even though we're small, we're kind of mighty because we, we have this unique position as a real leader in this kind of nascent space. And so we, we do find that anecdotally we're hearing things like, oh, well, I just use Super League for all of that. Um, you need to talk to Super League. Even the, one of our board directors is the CMO of Claire's. And she said the other day in a board call, "Yeah, you know, the 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 chatter about Super League is really high right now in her CMO networks. So um, again, small company, but uh, you know, early days. But but we are starting to see some a bit of name recognition um, as a leader.
0: So so how do we grow from here?
1: Uh, bigger deals, persistent programs. Um, you know, we really sell out a very small percent of our inventory. So We don't need to reach 200 million unique players. We don't need to reach 300 million. We can right now be a a $75, $80 million company just on the inventory we have right now. So it's all about education, getting in front of more brands and agencies, and starting to become a go-to for all of their marketing objectives.
0: Very good. So so, – Can you, I'm going to backtrack for a second. Can you give us some, some color on your Hamilton simulator?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, this just launched um, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, it's actually really performing very well, but um, the the goal that Hamilton had is wanting to introduce um, the Broadway play to younger audiences. And again, there was a recognition there. This This was a relationship that was forged directly between Super League and the Hamilton team. Um, to, um, to, to reach you know these audiences in, a, in this highly engaging, immersive way and introduce them and drive interest in the real-life production of Hamilton. In this instance, it's all built around the love of the wonderful musical score and the ways that you can go into a Hamilton world. Again, you go in as your own avatar, but then you get to engage with all the different characters of the cast, participate in different music and songs, And and play in a very gamified way um, through the different scenes and acts of of the game. Um, We have um, just you know a week out of the gate, um, we were kind of really rating high. Had a 97% like factor, which is kind of, I mean, it's it's very much top tier. You know, 80% likes inside Roblox is considered a very attractive game. So to have a 90 per, 97% like rating is high um, as well as really strong concurrent usage. So we're really um, – we think this is probably, um, you know, this, Barbie's Dream House, these iconic opportunities um, for these kind of cultural touchstones. These are the ways that I think we really help even investors, frankly, start to realize, oh, this isn't really gaming the way we, the older generation, think of gaming. This is really just about digital experiences and a digital extension of your physical life. And if Hamilton can come into this world, um, then why not a Harvard Classroom? You know, why not the Louvre? Why not every other thing that you, know, you could bring into a virtual world to really get to use and, and teach them about, Ameri- in this case, American history in a fun way?
0: So a lot of great associations, but how do we make money? What's the revenue model look like?
1: Yeah, so, you know, as is last year, this year, you're going to continue to see that, you know, about 90% of our revenue is coming from people paying us to build experiences and then paying us for these immersive media products. We just announced a strategic partnership with Roblox. That's, that's a big deal um, because a lot of our reach is inside Roblox, and it really validates that Roblox sees us essential to um, and, and our ability to thrive and be successful essential to the health of their greater ecosystem, and you know we reach a, probably about a third of all of their kind of global reach a month. and so um, what's exciting about that is they are going to allow us to also sell their um, media products as well. So now our media inventory just got bigger. Um, as well, they are going to start referring. Um, brand partners to us. So you can imagine that a lot of big brands think, huh, I want to be in Roblox, and they call Roblox directly, because they can. They're some of the biggest brands in the world. Well, Roblox doesn't have the publishing engine, the sales team, all of those capabilities we have. And so we think that's going to really help us um, blow up our pipeline and get to that revenue goal that gets us to cash flow positive faster. Um, But right now, that's the primary business we're in. Um, when we start to do more persistent programs, like what we 're doing for Yas Island and Hamilton, where we 're not just running those, those experiences for a month or a week or six months that 's a permanent world. that starts to make our revenue look more recurring in nature. You know The ills of advertising is the lumpiness of q4 and the, and how hard it is to forecast um, but if, if people are paying us to run annual programs, then we start to have more of a recurring type of model. And then our next opportunity is to go further downstream right now we do about two to three million a year in direct to consumer revenue we can we plan starting next year to really grow that more um, and start to own that end user the monetization of that end user and potentially as well have a first party data play there
0: so what what's the biggest gating factor inhibiting even faster growth
1: Yeah, I think really it's just about um, the education process with brands. You know, I had the global head of media at Mattel say to me very candidly in, in, in December Look, I, I, you don't have to sell me on the fact that the audience is there. Um, you know, I can see it. The numbers don't lie, I, the engagement rates don't lie. I, what it's just new is it's just a different type of measurement. And it's different content. You know, it's not creating a 30-second Barbie TV spot or a 15-second Barbie YouTube video. It's now creating an immersive Barbie dream house where you go in and play with Barbie. It's very different. And so for a lot of brands, I mean, much like what he said to me, he's like, I know the audience is there. I know my ad dollars have to catch up there. I just have to learn about this new space and how I measure it and how I um. identify the attribution. Did we sell more Barbie dolls, plastic ones, when we ran that immersive experience? The answer is yes, but it's a new way that we have to report and think about it. And so I really think that right now it's no different, again, than, you know, the rush for advertisers to get into and have a social media strategy 15, 20 years ago. We're just going through that same kind of wave. We're on the crest of it, and Super League has that leading position.
0: So, so you've got such big names like Barbie and Hamilton. I, I could see you know, success breeding success, uh, attracting others. Um, is, is that a key driver for you, and, and what are some of the other drivers? Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's no doubt that when you look at, you know, as I said, we served over 100 brands, but we're talking about brands like Visa, Toyota, L'Oreal, um, MTV. We recreated the MTV VMA Red Carpets. Where you could, you know, walk your digital avatar down the red carpets and have your picture taken with paparazzi, and you could even go in and into a voting booth and vote for VMAs. Um, you know, every time we have these signature programs, being able to put those case studies in front of other brands and show that kind of engagement—that's really kind of the key to it. And so, um, it is definitely a success begets success
0: um, strategy. So as we watch, watch the company over the next 12 months, anything uh, in terms of events or catalysts that we should watch for?
1: Yeah, I think you should continue to see um, these. You know, today we announced that we have launched our persistent world for Yoss Island, the persistent world for Hamilton. Keep watching for us announcing programs that aren't just short-term ad campaigns but are actually persistent worlds. And also, you know, these the partnerships like Roblox, I mean, I don't know if the market fully understood how significant it is that Roblox tapped us as one of a few companies to lock into a a deep relationship with, Um, you know, and, and there's no reason when you look at even like what Meta is doing right now, you know, Meta started out with a really heavy position on 3D, fully immersive worlds where you needed a VR headset, Right. Um, but, you know, now you can see in recent um, conversations they're talking about more of a 2D approach because, you know, kids play Roblox. Again, they're not playing with a VR headset. They're playing on a tablet, a phone, a laptop. They're playing on traditional screens that already exist throughout their homes. And so as Meta starts to move more in 2D, um, we, you know, we, we talk to them and we talk about ways that we can help them. Um, really amplify their ecosystem with the same tech and capability we've applied to other platforms like Roblox and Minecraft. So I think that was well will be um, another potential callus for the company is more of these types of really strategic partnerships with the, the big titans who could materially change the, the trajectory of the company.
0: Very good. So before we go, is, is there anything you wish I would have asked you but didn't or anything you want to leave us with?
1: Well, I mean, what I would say is is that it's certainly not been um, an easy time in the micro-cap space for the last 18 months. And, you know, I try as much as I can, even though, you know, the stock price has taken a beating, to, to stay positive that, you know, we delivered on our guidance last year, we're delivering another step change year this year, um, and that, you know, when these headwinds um, have kind of um, lightened up a bit, um, as, as many people think that kind of... St- Starting towards the end of this year, we'll see, you know, microcaps start to turn around that, um, you know, because we're also on that cusp of breakeven, that we'll start to get some investors excited about the stock and really see that um, while right now the share price doesn't feel fair to us, um, I don't think it would be hard to dispute that this is a growth stock at an extremely reasonable price. And so I'm just hoping that we can attract some excitement with investors you know that that you know the investors who've been patient with us um, and and believed, and I'm grateful for that, and also new investors, and really give them an exciting return here as those market first forces start to to turn in our favor.
0: Well, and thanks so much for sharing the Super League story. Thank you.